Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA featuring one-on-one -on -one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA. I'm very happy that you can join us today. Before we get to today's guests, I would like to thank our Connect podcast sponsor, Incelerate. Thanks, Susan, and thanks for listening. This is Josh Wren, CEO and founder of Incelerate. We're grateful for our partnership with the CMBA and are committed as a company to help lenders close more loans. We do this with our customer experience platform that has a CRM, lead management, marketing, automation, robust content library, desktop and mobile applications. We do this to help you engage and stay connected to your current borrowers, referral partners, past borrowers, and potential new ones. If you want to find out why we're the fastest growing CRM provider in the mortgage industry, please reach out to us and ask for a demo. All right, thank you, Josh. And so let's turn to today's guests. I am very happy to welcome um, two of my friends from Stabby uh, who will be joining us for today's Connect podcast. Uh, we have Angel Hernandez and Jeremy Potter. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, Susan, thank you. I echo that, Susan. It is both a pleasure and an honor to be here uh, joining you for today's podcast. That's awesome, awesome. So kind of want to start out with a little bit of background on everyone. Um, on how I'll start with you, um, you and I really just kind of connected a couple of months ago at our Mortgage Innovators Conference. Um, but I'd love to hear about a little bit about your background and how you got into the industry. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having us again. Uh, and look, congratulations on, on the phenomenal event uh, for Innovators Conference. We're looking forward to uh, seeing you again uh, here in July. You know, I, I came to the mortgage industry almost uh, by accident. I, I can't say that I intended to be in, in mortgage all my life. I um, After law school, I came to it via civil service. I joined HUD as a presidential management fellow. Uh, from there, I moved into Gini May, which was initially my my intent all along to, to go work with, with the folks at Gini. Um, I served there for, you know, close to a decade, uh, ultimately as the director of MBS policy and program development. Uh, in essence, where I had to look at, you know, anything and everything that impacted the Gini May securitization program, whether that is the, the program and rules, as well as its uh, securitization platform um, and how it operates. Uh, I worked there right through the beginning of the pandemic, um, was uh, lucky enough to, to be there to usher in the Gini May's digital collateral program. Uh, that you know really expanded the use of emails uh, for Govy loans, um, as well as you know lead quite a few of the uh, COVID response initiatives that we had you know to provide some relief for lenders and issuers. Whether that is the pastoral assistance program, uh, a lot of the delinquency relief measures that we put in place. Uh, from there, I, uh, I I joined Trade Association World uh, and uh, went over to the Housing Policy Council as Vice President of Capital Markets Policy, where I was also responsible for uh, assessing, again, uh, legs and regs impacting the adoption of innovation and technology in the mortgage industry. Uh, and now, you know, happy to be here at Stavi, where I serve as Vice President of Industry and, and Regulatory Affairs, and, you know, just couldn't be more excited. And quite often in, in some of my previous roles, I would, you know, sit back and think, oh, I sure wish there was something that could do X. 
Uh, so just super excited to be here with the Stavi team where uh, we now get to build the thing that does X. <laughs> right, right, right. You have a great background. That's a, a really um, your experience, I think, with the you know with the you know government entities and now coming into the industry. I think that's a really great perspective that you can bring to your company and to your and your clients there at Stavi. Um, and so I'll, I'll turn to my friend, Jeremy. So Jeremy and I have known each other for a few years, and I believe that we started working together when you were chair of the MBA State Legislative Committee a few years back. That's down. right. Okay. Yeah, the, the policy world and the legal world overlap, especially in our industry, a highly regulated industry. And so right. that, was, that was my move, so to speak, out of legal. I had been uh, an attorney for mortgage companies. Uh, I got my start at a mortgage company in New England, Norcom Mortgage, uh, applying the Dodd-Frank legislation uh, throughout the different parts of the business. And for a young lawyer, it was a phenomenal way to learn about our industry, you know, uh, getting to sit with each aspect of an independent mortgage company from sales branches through processors and underwriters and closers and explain here's the changes that we can expect. Here's the changes in the technology. Here are the changes in the documents. And here's what we're gonna do, you know, to roll out each phase of the Dodd-Frank amendments or the legislation. And so I learned uh, about the business through regulatory compliance effectively. And I got the opportunity to leave Norcom and move to Detroit and join Rocket Mortgage when that platform launched in 2016. And so that was a opportunity to be on the cutting edge of a lot of the digital transformation happening, especially around point of sale, obviously, with the application process, um, and then get to think about what technology means in the mortgage space, both from a legal perspective and then also just from an innovation perspective. So when we met, I had just moved into the capital markets group, and I spent three years thinking about product development, affordable housing, how strategic relationships uh, from startups and fintechs also all the way through uh, established relationships with the GSEs and the MI companies uh, affect sort of end-to-end -end mortgage life cycle. And that was a fantastic opportunity to think about innovation, innovate in a heavily regulated industry and do it with my legal background. And so when I joined Stavi, the idea was to get some, for me, some experience in the startup space, building and growing a business firsthand, but then also uh, to stand up a legal compliance function and now I've moved more into uh, what we're calling uh, evangelism, the chief evangelist. So we get to talk about all the exciting things that are possible uh, for you know, mortgage companies, banks, credit unions, and then the technology companies, we're all uh, you know, building an ecosystem really. There's no, there's no one solution, as we all know, uh, that's going to be the thing that you know, makes us more efficient, lowers costs and delivers a much better home ownership experience. It's actually going to be connecting with like-minded companies that can serve the people uh, that we serve, both the consumers who buy and refinance homes, but then also uh, all the people who have to use our technology all day, every day. You right. know, the members of CMBA, for instance, who need to feel at home in the technology they use as well. So I'd like to think of it as a as the experience that anybody who touches technology in our space, you know, should be treated like a consumer. Your perspective coming from, you know, one of the largest IMBs in the country, I think is really important when you're 
bringing that knowledge base to a tech provider because you have that perspective of, you know, like how are these people, how are these end users really adopting this and what are going to be some challenges and how can we help them? So I think it's really, really important. Um, and, you know, technology, of course, continues to be very top of mind for, you know, C-level execs and in my membership, and I'm, I'm sure across the country. So can you gentlemen talk about, um, you know, what are some of the factors that um, are impacting or streamlining the adoption of technology, especially as it relates to e-closing tools? Sure. I, th I think one of the things we're finding that this question of adoption is particularly relevant right now. When business is booming and refinances, there's uh, drop in rates or a low rate environment the way we have seen, that becomes the focus of how do we serve? How, how do our members, how do the industry serve the most uh, number of people possible? And that's really capitalizing, cap capturing that value uh, that they can get, lowering their rate, lowering their monthly payment, uh, in some cases, shortening their term. So uh, when that's happening, it can be very difficult in that moment to then try to implement a new system, modernize, think about process and workflow beyond surviving. When you get into a moment uh, where you've experienced that, you've said, I, you know, as a IMB, a bank, a credit union, you know, how can I, how can this be simpler? How can this be better? And where we think about adoption, where I like to start is what are the most painful parts? of your process that you have a process that's working you're doing uh, a record amount of business in 2020 2021 so you have a great process you also know as an owner uh, as an operational leader that you've got these points where it's still manual or there's a gap i have no visibility and i just have to wait and see what comes back whether that's a document or feedback uh, or data from another party and so i always think about adoption as starting with where are, you, where are you finding it's most costly? Where is it most painful? Or where do you have the least visibility into some aspect that you really want to control or that you should control? So for e-closing, we're talking about orchestrating a lot of different moving parts with the urgency of a closing, particularly in the purchase space, which a lot of uh, mortgage companies are thinking about right now. Right. You're orchestrating moving pieces, communication, documents, and the legal requirements associated with a highly localized real estate transaction. And so for uh, for Stabby, e-closing really means understanding the eligibility of what type of transactions are possible in your jurisdiction for that address, get comfortable with how you manage and control all the moving pieces of the closing transaction, because the um, one of the biggest areas that um, we see is Who's, who selects the title company from what uh, from what list or the or the closing agent? How do they connect? How do they get information? How do they get data? How are they responding? And in what you know service level expectations? And so coordinating all that, connecting all that, that's actually the things that technology is good for. So we like to talk about technology adoption, especially in closing, as looking first to where there are still manual pain points, looking second as to what's possible in your workflow, in your process, and what's eligible uh, for different types of closing transactions. And then third, and I think the biggest thing is, uh, how do you work with the, the people that you already work with today, who serve your clients, who are taking care of your data and your loan collateral as it comes back from the closing table as an asset? 
how are you thinking about working better and more closely with them? Those are the types of things, communication, collaboration, and eligibility that technology is really good at. And like you say, especially important in this purchase market, interest rates are rising. Like you say, that the, the streamlining of that closing process really um, you know, is a, a focal point, I think, for, for a lot of my members. Um, you know, when you talk about modernization, I feel like we've done nothing but talk about technology for the last decade, yet we're still kind of, you know, embracing it and adapting it, adopting it into the process. So what role do you think fintech should play in assisting with the modernization of this industry? Yeah, I think one thing that uh, technology companies and fintechs in particular do well is uh, bringing a fresh perspective to uh, the industry. I think we know and we're uh, we've all experienced uh, how complex, how highly regulated mortgage is. If, if you come in without industry experience or expertise, you're likely to run into a variety of obstacles and challenges that you didn't foresee without that experience. But we also know that if you don't bring in new ideas and fresh perspectives and innovation, your competitors will pass you by uh, because right. they are thinking that way and they are trying to win uh, the next deal. And so I think fintechs do you know, serve a really important part of challenging assumptions and offering uh, ways that you, as an independent mortgage company, as a bank, as a credit, you can rethink how you're doing business. And then the other thing I think that technology and particularly fintechs do well is connecting across complex operations or organizations. So, you know, one of the things that Angel and I work closely on are connecting the capital markets through to the primary markets. What types of visibility, what types of tools, what types of solutions do uh, folks in other parts of the organization or other parts of the industry need to see? And so that would be an example where, and this goes back to your first question, Susan, on adoption, that a lot of adoption is often driven by capital markets, by the risk associated with different activities. Well, technology and fintechs in particular can do a really good job connecting uh, and collaborating across different parts of a single organization or across organizations that all have a, something at stake in the transaction uh, or, or in the industry. And so um, I like to think of it as bringing fresh eyes from how you build technology. You know, we were in uh, New York City for MBA's secondary capital markets conference. And one of the things the regulators were saying from the stage was that the highest source of complaints and issues that they see in our industry are from organizations that either have old tech or have not understood their technology properly. And so I think fintechs can also um, really bring uh, some true partnership that allows a better understanding for how maybe other industries are solving a particular problem, how it could apply in mortgage or real estate. And so um, we, we're not uh, a company and Anho and I never uh, talk about technology or fintech being the end-all, be-all solution. It's this marriage of people empowered with technology. The technology should work for you, the people. It should actually work for um, the, the, the capital markets, the risk folks, the settlement title partners that you have, and your closing staff so that you're feeling empowered by it rather than feeling like you're working for it. And I think that's the thing uh, that good fintech solutions and innovators can do is bring the proper balance and relationship to 
to the table as well. Um, you know, when, when you comment um, that you had heard from the regulators at the MBA secondary about, um, you know, the they're really looking at the adoption of technology for independent mortgage bankers. And we see that in our state in California as well. Of course, our state regulator changed their name to Department of Financial Protection and Innovation you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, so they're, they're very vocal on the fact that they are looking for their, their licensees to be utilizing more, more technology. Um, so I think that's really a great observation. You know, you both have backgrounds in secondary market, capital markets, in addition to kind of what you're doing on technology at this point. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, secondary market, you know, complexities or considerations that the industry should be paying attention to in this particular market. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest concerns ought to be what is the impact, right, on, I, on an IMB with all of the volatility that we're seeing, right? So I think that that probably has to be, you know, top of the list. Um, second issue is, you know, what, what does it mean for our, our production volumes? What does it mean for... Um, you know, the way we're able to, again, have that cash flow go from the capital markets to consumers in the house, in, you know, in the face of more expensive housing and potentially more expensive mortgage products. Um, so, and I think that second one is probably really tough to tackle absent some, you know, major macro uh, shifts uh, taking place. However, for the first, you know, I like what, what Jeremy said, and then I, I do think that when it comes to shortening the time frame, right, and, and from the time alone loan closest, the time we're able to negotiate that into the secondary market, that is a solution that technology can really, I mean, that is a problem, I should say, that technology truly can solve, right? It is uh, amazing to me uh, sometimes just the the amount of, of data that we collect for a given mortgage transaction for every mortgage transaction and the difficulty that we still have in transmitting that forward to other counterparties that you know enter into uh you know into our segment after closing in a way that is trusted that is secure that can be relied on right so i think when when i think about this particular uh, you know, situation today. Uh, again, I think if anything, it's going to emphasize the need for all of us to collaborate together and thinking through what is what are, what is the technology, what are the processes, what are the roles and regs perhaps that, that we need to have in place to really enable us to leverage against so much of the modernization that we've done for on the front end of a mortgage transaction, right on the front end of the life cycle, uh, to really, uh, again, equip uh, IMBs, banks, credit unions, uh, to package that and 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 again uh, offer it forward in a way that is going to shrink uh, again the time from closing to the time of execution in, in the secondary market in a way that not only uh, perhaps replicates the, the the degree of trust that we have in place today, but if anything, probably enhances that. Right, so that is one thing that that Stabby we're always thinking about. Uh, in fact, uh, we often say that. Uh, when we think about the role of technology in, in the mortgage ecosystem, that the, the closing is just the beginning, right? We do think there's so much more that we could be doing. Look, again, using some of the same uh, tools that perhaps we, we've leveraged already, uh, just thinking through what is the right way of organizing those into perhaps smarter workflows, uh, into better collaboration with, with counterparties to really create additional trust, create more speed. Um, and, and uh, 
And I think the, 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 the downstream impact of that though, right, is that even in uh, scenarios such as what we're facing today, if we're able to do that effectively, uh, we're going to time and time again, be able to deliver the best possible product and offering that we can to consumers, uh, which I think would be a real win for all of us. So speaking of that on how, so what are the, I mean, you might be hearing this from your customers, but what are the needs, appetites for additional efficiencies for secondary market participants right now? Yeah, so you know, I, I would I would actually even expand that as another. I think it's not just secondary market participants, but really everything that happens after closing as well, right? So one of the things we've spent a lot of time thinking about here at Stavi is, well, what does it mean to digitize servicing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, we think we so we were one of the first to launch a, a fully electronically recordable loss. Uh, I'm sorry, loan modification product uh, that enables us to, again, use some of the tools that for some time we had been using for uh, electronic closing, such as eSign, RON, uh, Doc Collaboration, and to now empower servicers to reach a homeowner at you know where they need to be reached in a time of need, right? No sense for folks to have to take time off work, you know, just to go find a to go find a notary or to go find a, a FedEx office to ship back documents, right? We, we've we've begun thinking about well, what does it mean to enable some of these tools in in unfortunate scenarios where if 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 a homeowner's financial impairment is just uh, permanent, right? Where where we unfortunately have to go down a foreclosure path, how how do we you know enable again default servicing teams? Uh, to collaborate, uh, to provide more transparency about the process for homeowners, uh, and also to minimize costs, right, and and, and hopefully make um, minimizing the impact for for both that homeowner, the servicer, and, and the neighborhood. So so there's um, you know so there's a lens of this that really asks, well, how can the secondary market really leverage again the digitization of mortgage? Uh, but again, I think that's just one piece. It really is about everything that's going to happen after closing, right? How how are we going to now take advantage of the fact that we have, uh, you know, key documents that can now be transmitted electronically, that can be verified electronically, right. uh, with, and at the same time, you know, having to pay attention to the new risks that may come with that. Everything dealing with again, you know, cybersecurity, the protection of consumer data. So again, all, all key elements. But you know, to go back to uh, I guess the you know the, the issue on the secondary market, I think what they want is efficiency, right? Uh, efficiency and 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 trust. Uh, and again, those are two objectives where digitizing uh, can really you know uh, again we're digitizing the mortgage uh, processes can can really help deliver both those both trust and efficiency. And um, again, I, I don't think there there is one way of doing it. Uh, but what we do know is that it's something that has to be done in collaboration. Right. Yeah. The efficiencies in the process is what we're all striving for. Right. I mean, I think that that's uh, when you're right. Using all your partners that you're using for the whole transaction is, you know, needs to work together well. So if, if we think about all of the things that we, today we have to do for the set for investors, uh, quite often it, it to me, it looks like a chain of validations and revalidations right so uh, you know every time documents or data moves to you know for a new use 
we now are in a process where we have to revalidate what that looks like and and have to ask the question can i trust that everything was sent to me that everything was sent to me accurately completely uh you know so, so again i think we, we we need to collaborate together to, to minimize the need for movement of documents and data uh, in a way that enables us all enables us all to work uh, on a more streamlined basis again and uh, when we greater trust excellent points um kind of want to switch gears a little bit and uh because you you are both uh very involved in another aspect or element of the industry that's very near and dear to my heart um you know our the cornerstone of what we do at california mba is really advocacy on behalf of the industry we represent the real estate finance industry for california state legislature and our regulators um similar to what the national mba does so well at the federal level in congress and you two have both had a, a history of being very active uh, on advocacy efforts. So I'd love to hear your comments on kind of the um, share with our listeners the importance of the California MBA's advocacy efforts on behalf of the industry. Sure, absolutely. From uh, my experience, it's the way that change happens and it's change that you know will actually benefit your business rather than threaten your business. And so having that voice at the table is when you see the most movement or the most progress on key issues for our industry. So a great example would be um, our legislators at the state and federal level have all kinds of different issues coming at them from all kinds of different industries. And so often proposing solutions and proposing even down to the language, down to the words uh, that we need can help them be more efficient and move their decisions and move their legislation farther faster. And so one of the things, you know, that the advocacy that, you know, Susan, you're talking about that you think about that you lead that the CMBA is doing for uh, its members is actually creating the urgency and the need on behalf of the industry for regulators to understand, but then also ensuring that when the other voices get involved, that the, the change is actually meaningful for consumers and actually beneficial to the member's business. And so if you're not there, uh, it's gonna happen. The, these changes from state to state especially, they look across the border and they see what's happening. And it is it can be regional from time to time, but often they'll get together and they'll look across the country when they see a change and reach out. So um, when we see a change in any state, you can bet somebody in your state's probably thinking about it as well. And of course, California is a leader in so many areas relative to technology, innovation, and, and, and the size of, of the market for our industry in particular. And so I think a lot of states also look at California. So it works both ways. So having your organization and having our members here in California support what you are doing means that you actually can not only initiate change when we need it, but you can craft the right solution when inevitably it comes up because it always does. That's the only thing we can count on in our industry is change. You know, so for me, Susan, I'd like to begin um, probably just uh, one step before the actual advocacy takes place. Um, one of the most valuable aspects of, of engaging with uh, CMBA uh, is the fact that you still have to first develop what that position is going to be. And that requires, you know, a, a diversity of voices coming to that table, sometimes in agreement, sometimes 
not in agreement. Uh, but I, I, I find incredible value in, in that process, which ultimately I, I think it is a truth seeking process, right? That That's going to uh, perhaps reveal uh, what some of us may not have been thinking about is perhaps going to expand our view and really help us reach the again that optimum uh, position that that does create again a or at least provide for a good outcome for all stakeholders involved. So so I think you know I, I don't I don't want to uh, I don't I don't mean to um, focus too much on, on on that other other than that to say that it is engagement right with the with groups like yours uh that that is going to help all of us right reach reach that optimum outcome so and there's a great deal of value in those initial discussions that have to take place before we can as an industry a, a, a equip you and your team uh with the position that you need to that you need to advocate for um the second uh component uh that i would think you know great great right right up there um there's a huge educational gap that, that often exists, right? Uh, with certainly with something as uh, regulated as mortgage and even more so with anything dealing with technology and mortgage, right? It just adds another another degree of complexity. Uh, so I think for, uh, for legislators and for their staff to have a, a trusted voice at the table that is able to guide them and walk them through uh, those you know minor nuances that could have a substantial impact on on, on both our industry and consumers uh, it is it's just incredibly important but it, it is an educational function that that the cmba uh provides that that I, that I think is of tremendous value and again all influenced by by that initial you know uh, meeting of the minds uh within within the context of of, of engagement uh you know, within the trade association. So. Great observation. We definitely rely on our members to bring that expertise from the industry and the front line to, uh, you know, all of our conversations about policy that's being considered in our state. So, um, Jeremy, what's that uh, saying? If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. <laughs> you have to be engaged and you have to be, uh, you have to be a trusted source as you, uh, as you um, articulately uh, mentioned on health. Thank you. And thank you both for uh, being a part of Connect. It was great to have this conversation and think uh, in the industry. And thank, thank you. all of you for joining us today on Connect. Uh, to access any of our Connect podcast uh, episodes, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. That's it for this week, and we'll see you on the next episode of Connect. Thank you.